I'm Red Robinson, and these are the Legends of Rock. Donnie Brooks hit it big in the early 60s with a hit called Mission Bell. Here we talk about one of his earlier songs. Donnie Brooks, you and I have a special uh, relationship that goes back to about, was it 59 for White Orchid or early 60s? I, I would say, no, 59. 58 59, I'd say. Quick story, Herb Newman, a man that owned a record label called Era or Era Records in Los Angeles, used to send me all of the, the new releases. That did all right, though, White Orchid, didn't it? Well, what happened was no one would play it but you, and, uh, and you broke it for me. It sold like 50,000 records on the West Coast. Didn't get anywhere else in the East Coast or Europe or anything, and it gave him enough incentive to keep recording me. And then when he did Mission Bell, well, then you took off on that for me. We put it out of 59 of December, and nothing happened till like... He had died in January and February, and about March or April, I guess you started playing it again, and uh, and then other stations would call and say, well, what are you playing? And you said, I'm playing Mission Bell, and so they started picking it up, and slowly but surely it got on the charts and became a million seller. It, on your recordings of, uh, of that period, you, it's it, big orchestrations behind you, and uh, how many people would be in a studio in those sessions? Uh, it, it was strange, because they'd have, like you say, string sections and horn sections, and it was uh, uh, it wasn't rock and roll, it was bubblegum rock, the Bobby V type uh, songs. You know, I've always regretted that I wasn't Little Richard or that I wasn't uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, and you know, have it, or uh, even Little Anthony, who were with on the show today. All of his going out of my head is a standard, you know. But Mission Bell was kind of a standard. It's, once in a while, someone will come up and say, you know, that's where I met my wife, and that was my favorite song, and that's kind of a thrill. It's kind of a nice thing. But P. J. Proby also covered that later, didn't he? Well, in fact, in Europe, when I did Mission Bell, there was a fellow who sounded like Perry Como who did a, an English version. And uh, then uh, Peter Krauss in Germany did a version. And, uh, but I ended up with Canada and I ended up with uh, Australia and the States. And the States are more important than you live in the States, so your hometown is, is very important. And uh, then PJ came five or six years later out with, a, with another record and did very well. But you're out of Texas originally. How did you end up in Los Angeles with Herb Newman? And uh, my, my dad was uh, in the Marine Corps. And uh, so uh, my mother went to work at a rivet plant, and my dad went in the Marine Corps and was on Guadalcanal, and I was a Marine brat raised in the housing projects in San Diego. So uh, then we moved up to Los Angeles. And uh, What did you do, pound on doors? How did you? No, I was put in boarding schools most of my life because uh, what do you do with a Marine brat? Uh, <laughs> no, my parents worked all the time, so I was put with uh, godparents who raised me and, and put in, in Catholic schools and boarding schools. And I lived with my parents when I was about 18. And all the time when I was in school, I was in the choir singing. and. And I kept fighting because, you know, everyone was a choir boy and I'd have to punch him. And uh, that's it. it helped with a name like a Donnybrook like that. I was telling you that it's yes. so good to, to be my age now because when people want to fight, I just laugh. It just, it's not worth it anymore, you know. Is Donny Brooks the real name? No, no. Nope. In fact, uh, I'm, uh, I hate to say this, but uh, I don't know who my father really was. My mother got married. Well, she's an Okie. I'm a Texan. Right. Got married and she's 12 to get off the farm. Married a guy by the name of Cross went and married a guy by the name of uh, D. Abahash. Then she married Jim Faircloth. Now, I'm not sure if Abahash or Faircloth was my father, you know. And I asked my sister, I said, you were there and you're 10 years older than I am, what happened? She said, well, you know mom. I said, what does that mean? So I don't really know who my father, my mother won't say anything, you know, because in those days, if you don't fool around. You well, know. Was your brother an only child then? Uh, no, I had no brother. I just had my sister and myself. I have a half-sister. I know that her father was cross. And so, um, but who came up with Donnie Brooks? A fellow by the name of Dave Taxi, a songwriter. Uh, I did one of his songs, and he says, uh, gee, you had John Faircloth, Johnny Fair, Johnny Jordan, uh, Dick Bush, all these crazy names. He says, 
why don't you try uh, Donnybrook? In the dictionary, it means a riotous occasion, a free fight. And he says, you're always getting in trouble. And I said, sounds good to me. And when I went on it, then it became a hit, and uh, because you, by the way. And so I just went to court and had it changed. I've been Donnie Brooks for 30 years. But uh, the record White Orchid, which was a, a regional hit on the West Coast, mm -hmm. Mission Bell, Dollhouse, Oh You Beautiful Doll, mm -hmm. and a Memphis that was not the, the Chuck no, Berry not, Memphis. Not, not the Johnny Rivers or the Chuck Berry Memphis, no. no what, where, where did that song, Memphis, come the from? The fellow who wrote Mission Bells wrote that. And uh, he didn't write Dollhouse. He got the first record and the second record, and then he uh, did the Memphis song. And, it, uh, and we were very weak in the South. I was doing well in New York and in Canada and Australia and, and the other states. And Dollhouse and Mission Bell were, uh, Dollhouse did really well in the, the Yankee states, but nothing else. So we did Memphis, which was, uh, did only well in the southern states. <laughs> it was kind of, did well here, though. Yeah, yeah. it was, uh, but it, well, it was, it was southern B.C., though. I mean, it, was, it didn't do well in northern. <laughs> There's nothing up north. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's fun to look back at that era. And I remember when uh, Les Vogt, the uh, impresario for rock and roll and myself, uh, uh, booked you in with Johnny Burnett and Dorsey Burnett. We had some good tours in those days, and it was oh, fun. Those were wonderful tours. Uh, first of all, you have to know about Johnny and Dorsey Burnett. They were brothers. They constantly fought. They were professional fighters. They fought Golden Glove. And Johnny was a type, had a great sense of humor, and Dorsey was a worry ward. You could walk up to Dorsey and say, uh, do you know what Red Robinson said about you, Dorsey? He said you were the worst singer in the world. He wouldn't say a word. 20 minutes later, he'd call you up and say, did you say I was the worst singer where I'm going to punch you out? And you said, no, but Donnie Brooks said that, uh, that you're bow-legged. he say that? A half an hour, he'd call me back, I'm going to punch you out. You said, so we used to play games, you know, terrible games on him. But they were talented, and a lot of people don't realize that in that early rockabilly period, they, they were right at the forefront, winning uh, Arthur Godfrey's talent scouts, I yeah. think, at the time. And We did a horrible thing to, to Dorsey. I'll never forgive myself for Johnny and I knew that he would, he's a worry ward. So we went into... We came into Vancouver one night when you had hired us. We drove up uh, and uh, we went into this restaurant. It was full of bikers that night. Really a rough, rough crowd. And we walked in and we sat down to eat dinner. And I noticed when I came in that there was a fellow sitting in the corner and he was looking really straight ahead at us. And Johnny noticed it too, but Dorsey didn't. So we kept saying, you know, it's a pretty rough place, Dorsey. Better be careful, you know. So he was getting all pumped up that maybe something's going to happen. Don't walk out alone. He said, you know, that guy's staring at you. I think he wants a piece of you. Well, Dorsey got so mad, he walked over to the guy and he said, you looking for trouble? And the guy said, pardon me? And the guy was blind and he was staring straight ahead. And it was a terrible trick, but the guy didn't know what he was talking about. And Dorsey was so embarrassed, he wanted to kill both of us because he didn't see the stick the guy had. The guy was just kind of staring straight ahead. And it looked like clear across the room yeah. that he was just staring right at Dorsey like he wanted to, wanted to fight him. And I'll never forget that. I quit playing jokes after that. It was so embarrassing. But those days, we did some strange things. We'd tell Dorsey the plane wasn't going to land, that we're running out of gas, we're circling. And he would almost threaten to, to kill the stewardess. Say, land this plane now, it's running out of gas. And silly things. Do you ever think that uh, 25 years later, we'd still be doing what we're doing? No, I've been so lucky too. I, I, I made a wonderful living at this. And, uh, and I don't even know how. I started doing comedy, I started doing country music because I was born in Texas and, and I do oldie shows and I do pop music and, and for a long time if you were rhythm and blues you were rhythm and blues, if you were rock you were rock and I guess Tom Jones changed that. He came out and he did pop music and he did uh, Otis Redding type music and so he could do a little... He did and, country. Yeah, he did country so after that then singers could do everything but for a long time uh, what are you and that's the bag you were in that's where you stayed. You never ended up writing material like uh, Johnny Dorsey? No, I... well I wrote home for money once and then I wrote uh, 
Remember Mac the Fork? Well, it was almost a big hit. Almost a big hit. But, uh, Donnie, a pleasure seeing you again after all these years. It's great seeing you. Just leave one of the bracelets or the ring behind. Okay, well, uh, these are, uh, I married well. It's always good to marry a rich girl. I have rich kids, too. Never have poor kids. That's my advice to people. Don't get poor children because they don't give you good Father's Day gifts or things. Want more legends? Visit us at redrobinson.com.